Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Black Married Men Working Podcast. Today's quotable of the week is, a wise man once told me. The most important thing in business is honesty, integrity, hard work. You uh, need somebody? Uh, uh, when I need proof, I pray that I find the truth Feel like it's pulling my tooth And what's done in the dark Slowly letting me loose My love right by my side She know I ain't got no goof Picture me tossing in my sleep I'm fighting demons alone She hugging me, screaming we Picture somebody bringing life to your life Got the plug, told Virgil Right wife on my wife Nigga, easy What's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode. It's your boy Steph in the building, and we're going to do what we always do. Today is a special episode, and we have some special guests today. Rome, I'm let you introduce everybody. You know, just to switch it up today. Not a problem. Uh, Rick, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. It- when y'all talk about that? <laughs> just now. Spare just now. Spare the moment. I didn't know. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, know, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> hey, you ran with it. Usually, no, usually, usually, Rome be like, what, what, what you do that for? Why I, got, why I got to be the one? I mean, right. he quickly directed it over. <laughs> like, real quick, Rick, where you at? <laughs> no, what's up, Rick? How you, man? How you feeling? How was your week? I'm good. Uh, the week was uh, rough. First day back after a nice little vacation work, so, yeah, and uh, doing a migration, so, yeah, mm. It was alright, but uh, gotcha. and what's up? How was your week? Uh, the week was good. The week was good, but um, yesterday I got some bad news. Uh, my neighbor Miss Lisa died. Over there? Yeah. Good idea. Are you serious? Yeah. Like, was she sick? Yeah. Oh wow! So if everybody remember, um, or she got, she the got listeners. Yeah, yeah so <laughs> if you can't, if you came to my thirtieth birthday party where I proposed to Shar, um. The lady who was serving the drinks that everybody having a good time with, that was Miss Lisa. Wow. She wow. passed away, okay. man. Yeah, that was a hurt piece. That was a hurt piece. So, um, But week was all right, but, you know. Yeah, but, she wasn't making those drinks. She was making the drinks. The drinks, <laughs> yeah. The drinks. Not, the, the, not the, the I with the A. <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to miss her, man. She was, gotcha. uh, she was definitely, like, first of all, she was funny, but she was real. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, we gonna miss her. We gonna miss her. Good, you should guess. You introduce George. Let me do this. Did I miss that? No, no, no. <laughs> let, let, let me do this. I got this. I got, I got two. Let me do this. I'm, I'm right, here. I gotta say, you got two. I'm, I'm here. <laughs> All right, to my right, right, my right is my father-in-law, Mister Hiram. Hey, how's everybody doing? Gotcha, gotcha. So. Oh, Steph, What's how good? are you? I'm good, bro. As, as always, uh, yo, yo, we we no definitely <laughs> going back to the. He original. can't do this no more. I <laughs> <laughs> tell me, I didn't tell you, like, yo, we gonna do it different. Wait a minute, <laughs> what? Well, no, I'm, I'm good. Got some good uh, news from work. Um, you know, some extra cash coming in, some good uh, cash flow. You hype? I know. I'm hype. He, he, you know, he got my plugged at every pockets, five minutes, right? My pockets is gonna be hyped too. <laughs> I mean, Man, lucky you working for a non-profit and they gotta get rid of this extra cash. Give give me the extra cash. But yeah, I'm doing great. Um and again I actually started you guys will be happy. 
start reading the, the, the driver's permit book again. My man. So, you know. Just make sure you don't fail 19 times like Rome did. Man, that's, that's messed up. Listen, wow. we want you to pass on the first go for everything. <laughs> yeah, wow. That's not messed up. It's real life. It wasn't 19 or 6. Just saying, get it right. And once you get you that permit, you want me to get it right like 6 wasn't bad either. I mean, 6 is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get it twisted. It's terrible. It's not 19. You can't tell people it's 19. No, that's crazy. That's, that's an, 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 an exaggeration. Yes. exaggeration. Yeah. But I passed the driving part the first time. You up? I passed the driving part the first time. Two times. No, I don't drive with my friend now. <laughs> 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 but, you know, just been doing good. Having a good uh, <clears throat> overall, sir. Gotcha. All right. So, to your right. Nope. That's, that's your, your left. left. Definitely your left. Boy. That's <laughs> your <laughs> To your left. <laughs> we got cousin Gio down here. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here, man. I, I appreciate you guys having me on. Not a problem. Not a problem. To my left, we have cousin Reg over here. Uh, Baba Reggie, whatever y'all decide to call him. We got Reg to the, to the, to the left. Reg is good. Reg is good. We got Reg to the left. Yeah, good to be here. Um, good to be here. So, in the words of Steph, let's get into it. All right. So, uh, let me get a little closer. So. Today's topic is the mindset of a black man. Um, I'm going to just be honest with y'all. We're not going to be doing a lot of talking today. We're just going to be doing a lot of listening. Um, a lot of people in our generation don't listen. They want to give their input, say what's right, what's, what's wrong, whatever the case may be. But that's not what we're going to do here today. We're going to listen and listen to what the, these wise men have here to um, give us their knowledge, their wisdom, and their thoughts on certain things. Um, things that we discussed, things that we would like to hear from them. So, I'm going to start off first with a question. Hey, before we, um, can I say something before we start the, the, the questions that we wanted to ask? Sure, go ahead. Uh, I, I seen something, and um, to me, I think it fits a lot of black men in, in our times right now. I just wanted to, before we get to the actual questions, I want to say this statement, and I want to see... How y'all feel about this statement? Um, on the outside, I'm fine. On the inside, financial worries need to set better examples. Feelings of failure. Feelings of confusion. I don't do enough. I need more time. Inadequacy. <sighs> so when y'all hear that, how do y'all feel about that? I'll start with you, Gio. Um... I'm in the mix right now. I know. See, these the our our other guests are they are more seasoned gentlemen. I'm still in the mix. I still got kids in the house. I still got you know. I got. I'm still mid drift in my in the mortgage and all that stuff. So I feel those pressures. I feel those uh, those things kind of weighing on me. But you know, I, I've learned that part of part of being part of being a man is having the strength and the fortitude to kind of shoulder that burden. You know. Um, as men, we, you know, we're kind of designed to protect our families from a lot of that stuff. So we put on a brave face, but it doesn't mean that we're not still concerned with those things. You know, like I still, you know, I got the mortgage to pay. I got to make sure that, um, I got two kids that might be going, that are going to college in the next, you know, two to three years. So it's like, that's like, whoa, that's weak, you know, especially when you start seeing these tuitions, um, just quiet as kept, like we went to Stevens. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, took my son on a, a campus tour, Stevens University in uh, Hoboken, New Jersey, 55 grand a year, cash money. And they want their bread up front. 
Oh, <laughs> so, so it's like, so it's like, it's those, those kind of things they weigh on. And you have to, you know, as a man, you're shouldering that. And some people, you know, some men, depending on... Uh, Hoboken is pretty lavish. <laughs> Hoboken is dope. I'm not, I'm not going to front. Hoboken is pretty dope. But, you know, I think that our, our trials and tribulations in life um, kind of prepare us to shoulder the burdens that we carry. Because God, God's never going to give you more than you can carry, than you can handle. Uh, so you have to keep that mindset and just keep pushing. I think when you were reading it, I was thinking about uh, James Baldwin's We Wear the Mask. Because that poem kind of talks about how every day we have to step out into this world with this mask on, like everything is okay. Because your job doesn't care. Right. right. <laughs> you know, the people you're encountering as you move throughout your day may not really care. So there's kind of a mask you have to wear. The good thing is, as you get older and you've overcome more and more trials and tribulations, you're not so much wearing a mask anymore because you get a sense of like, oh, it's going to be all right. Uh-huh. Like, ultimately, if I see another day, it's going to get better and it's going to be all right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I look at it like this, because like you said, we're from the old school. You know, we have to do this as men. Mm -hmm. You know, ain't no sitting back, relaxing, saying, yeah, well, tomorrow it'll get done, tomorrow it'll get done. It's got to be done right now. You you can't wait for it. You got to be prepared for everything. You know, because there's a lot going on out here in this world. Once you reach that you know, point where you realize you got more, you got more yesterdays than tomorrow's. You know? Yeah. It's serious. Um, just a, do you do y'all feel like as men, um, a man's lives tend to be unfair? I don't think so. Uh-huh. I think that, yeah. I, I no, feel, go ahead. I'm listening. Yeah, I, I feel like um, our lives are what we make them. You know, um, there there was there's a quote now. I've, I've lost it at this point, but essentially, you know, you you make your bargain. You set your bargain with life at the beginning. What you willing to work for? What you willing to achieve? And life's gonna give you what you ask for. So, I don't I don't deal with fair and unfair. I think that something sometimes life happens, and as men, we gotta deal with that. And you gotta take those L's, and you gotta learn from those L's. You can't sit in it. You just got you know you. you as the saying goes, you have to roll with the punches. Like sometimes right. life is going to knock you on your behind, right. and you got to be able to get up and keep moving. And it's that strength that you know, as men, that's what that's what makes us the that's what gives us that ability to kind of shoulder the burdens and keep moving because you get knocked down. And every time you get up, you get a little bit stronger, and you keep pushing. Gotcha. Right. As far as uh, I, I don't, I never think in terms of fair or not fair, because I can honestly say. I would say 75, 80% of the trials and tribulations I went through uh-huh. was because of an action that I initiated. It wasn't something outside of me. The majority yeah. of what happens around you, like there are things you can control, things you cannot. I believe the majority of the things that happen with your life, you have some type, some, it's, you initiated it in somehow, some way. You may not even know what that was, uh-huh. but in most cases, we've initiated those type of things for ourselves. Right. Do y'all feel like it's a, it's a, insecurity that like if, if somebody look at it as unfair no like, not really i don't look at it like that uh, you know it's uh, hey like like you say it's, it's all a part of life uh, you know you got to live it it ain't no sitting back oh well maybe i'll do this today or maybe i'll do that the next day no it's got to be done right then and there. Yeah, it's a, it's a cop-out. To me, to me, that's a cop-out. Like to say, oh yeah, life's not fair or I can't get this or I can't get that because of X, Y, and Z. 
to me, that that's you giving up on yourself. Like my, my father told me a long time ago, can't means you don't want to. So, and that. Uh, I do, um, since, I'm sorry. I'm like, no, 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 you're good, you're good, you're good. Um, when I turned 30, something clicked in my head. I don't know if it's, if that's what God do when you turn 30, <laughs> but it clicked. So when it clicked, the first, like, I got a, I got a, um, a memo pad and then one of my, in my memo pad, I got notes and one of them notes is I call it language. And the first thing I seen when I turned 30, like the literally the first thing I think I, I, I don't know if I got on social media or I like opened a book or something. I don't remember, but the second I turned 30 and I woke up that morning, the first thing I seen was, um, actually, let me pull it up real quick. 10% of life is what happened. 90% is how you respond, is to, how it. You respond to it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's gospel that too. is like, oh my God. Like mm-hmm. that, that was a ghetto gospel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is because things are going to happen and that that's what that's what cousin Red is talking about there are going to be things that are going to happen outside your control and it's how you respond to them that's going to make that's going to determine your trajectory uh-huh. you know um one of my favorite motivational speakers zig ziglar used to say that it's attitude not aptitude that determines your altitude so in that in that in that context it's how you look at it. It's how you approach the situation that's going to determine how far you go. Because the 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 parameters, the constraints are always going to be there. And people people work too hard to, you know, people figure out ways around the constraints. Right. In business and in, in relationships and life in general. You figure out you figure out the workaround. So, and 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 if and I believe for men at 30. If it doesn't click at 30, it's going to be a rough, like the road about to get. And I'm going to give an example because I, I went to college at 19, one year, dropped out, had a family, had kids, jumped from job to job, dishwasher, shoulder cook, job to job. Walking by Temple University, they had a table out there, I just turned 30. They try to, they trying to get black males particularly to come mm-hmm. and sign up for college. I just instinctively signed the paper. Mm-hmm. Had no, that wasn't my plan when I went on my door that day. Signed the plan, and now I've been doing a job I love for the last 23 years, which is teaching. That's dope. That's dope. Yeah, that's it. Uh, all right, so the first, let me that question now. The next question we have is, um, what is self-respect to you guys? Uh, we did have a podcast where we talked about self-respect and self-care um, for us. So, um, G, I'm going to start with you. What is self-respect to you? Um, for me, self-respect are boundaries. Um knowing what you what you will and will not accept in your life and i'm not talking about in a in an aggressive violent way like oh it's more with this i'm I'm da 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 no it's more along the lines of um if you're going to interact with me in my life these are these this is how we're going to interact we want to interact on in a in an attitude of peace and respect uplift if you're coming in my life and you're you're degrading my life or you're taking away from my life i'm not dealing with you and it's not and it's not uh get the F out of here type situation. It's like, you know what? I can't deal with you. And that, and, and I'm fine with that. And that, mm-hmm. to me, that's self-respect. I'm respecting my boundaries and how I want to be treated. Um, one of the things that I found out early in, or not early in life, but it's like I was in a 10-year relationship with a woman that didn't end the best. And in that relationship, you kind of, I, I sacrificed a lot of myself. So when I got out of that relationship and I started rebuilding myself, I realized I need to put boundaries around my interactions. 
And that means that certain people, I can't deal with you no more because you don't respect the boundaries that I set for myself. So that's to me, that's self-respect in and of itself. You have to have clear boundaries for how people interact with you, because if not, people will walk all over you and do whatever they want to do to you. So, so I got a question. Um, so when you get to that point when you realize that certain people are just not for you, mm-hmm. do you have that conversation? Is it something like that happens? It's just like we just going to part ways or do you just feel like I'm over it? And that's just that. It depends on the person. Gotcha. If, it, if it's a person that, you know, that may have played an integral part in my life, mm-hmm. then we got to have a sit down. We got to have a talk. Gotcha. Right. Even, right. Even, yeah. even depending on like the severity of the situation. Yeah. 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 We, we, we got to talk. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, got, mm-hmm. I can agree with that. 100%. Because uh, I got some, some friends that I knew. I'll be like, you know, man, we was good. I don't know what happened, but now is the time for you to go your way. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go mine. You know, and and it's no hard feelings. It's yeah, like, no, I, yeah. I, I, I'm not I got, mad. At, yeah, I ain't mad at you or nothing yeah. like that. You know, you Elevation. do your thing from now yeah. on. I'm gonna do mine. Yeah. It's just that we can't interact no more. Right. Right. You know, you going one way and I'm going another. Yeah. Like they always say, you start going down that road and you get to that fork. It's like, should I go left or should I go right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then you realize if I go left, man, and bad things gonna happen. And what mm-hmm. happens is if if someone's in your space that's not making you feel safe and you letting that go on and you carrying it and you harboring that, it turns into an eruption in your life. against that person. When it finally comes to a head, yeah. it's not a conversation. Yeah. Which to me is worse. I'd rather like sell that early. Like we, I just need space. Yeah. Elevation requires separation because if you going up and this is a conversation people have seen it on, on social media a million times. If you're going up and they're staying down here, it's going to it's going to be a disconnect naturally because I'm doing things that you can't do. So it's only either one or two things. Either I'm going to try and pull you up to me or I got to come down to you. And if I got a family, I got goals and motivations, I'm not coming back down. So it's like, yo, I'm going to give you the tips. I'm going to give you the tricks to, to bring you up to where I'm at. And if you don't follow them, it's on you. He ain't got it. <laughs> so, I got a follow-up question there. Mm-hmm. What if one of those people that doesn't meet your self-respect is a parent. How do you go about that then? Well, about to get good. <laughs> he don't know. He don't know my story. <laughs> right. So, Rome Ro can tell you. My, he my, just got real good. My, my, uh, my father. Our, our, like, our fathers are brothers. Time so, out, time out. Ladies and gentlemen, be prepared for our first three-hour podcast. It's, 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 it's going to be a bit. Yeah. You're going to like it. I guarantee you won't yeah. like it, but be prepared for our first three-hour yeah. podcast. It's, it's like, I'm, and I'm, I'm cool. Step up. Step got to edit this joint in 24 hours. So, yeah, don't even edit. Just, just let that joint run. So, so um, my, my biological father, um, George Philip Johnson, I'm going to put his government name out there. Um, you know, him and my mom broke bad when I was like, Right. So he, you know, he's a little handsy. I'll put it that way. He's a little handsy. My mom couldn't deal with it. Um, they, they broke up and homeboy, like, I don't know. Homeboy. So don't tell me. So our show on his main man is I want the shits. Like homeboy, homeboy tormented my mom's. Um, Homeboy turned one at my mom's, like popping up at work. Like he got out of a couple jobs, like showing up, getting crazy, outbursts, and all that stuff. Um, manipulated the situation. Um, 
got custody of me at like five. He manipulated the situation so that my mom was basically, my mom basically signed over custody of me to my father at five years old on my fifth birthday, tying it to a memory. That's some toxic shit. I don't know if you know that. Yes, that's a little toxic. That's, that's a little toxic. Um, but homeboy was homeboy was rocking. He was on he was on that rock, and you know, all of that all of that uh, you know that my entire experience with him was was not the best. Like my grandmother didn't live around the corner on on Fifty Fifth and Florence. I probably wouldn't be here. Anyway, fast forward. Um, I'm living with my mom, and he's starting to reach out again, and um, you know we, we're pen palling it up going back and forth and it gets to the point where I'm like yo why did you feel like you had to put your hands on my mom why, why did you have to do that because you you want to know because it's like we're rebuilding this relationship trying to build it up piece by piece and my man did the most disrespectful thing I, I could I, he, he basically said um he said essentially fuck you your mother's a whore and you're probably a white man's baby that's a boundary issue I don't know if you know, because it's like, you don't talk about moms, and it's like, you know, your, your biological father basically say you the son of a whore. Like, what the fuck? Um, and actually, this is actually a little bit further. I was in college at the time, or I was coming out of college. I had, had my first son. Um, and what I did was I sent him a picture of my son, and I told him, this is your grandson, and this is the last time you'll ever see him. And that was the last time he ever saw any of his grandchildren. I, I didn't I didn't argue. I didn't carry the anger. I didn't carry the, the vitriol that he may have had for me. I just let him go. Like I like I have a stepfather. I have a man in my life that's that's kinda like brought me up. I wanted to rebuild this relationship with you. But if this is the way that you react to being held accountable for your actions, I want nothing to do with you. And I don't want you around my kids because I don't want a person that's not willing to hold themselves accountable for their actions around my children. And that was it. Like I didn't, I, I saw him, the last time I saw him was probably about a month before he passed away. And I was able to release all that trauma and I was able to forgive him before the end. And that was it. But yeah, like there, there are stories that I can tell about, about them too. Bro, if they knew. Sidebar <laughs> of vitriol. So you. That's the title. <laughs> You preach it to me. This is why you preach it to me. Um, I got a question to ask you. That's really you, bro. <laughs> but no, listen. So, I kind of have, not the same situation, but mm-hmm. I really don't have a relationship with my father. Mm-hmm. Definitely have my godfather, who, well, she could be here today, but he has some family business to occur. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it, like three, four months ago? My brother called me. Oh, found, first of all, I, had a, I found out I had a biological brother when I was 21. I, I found out when I was like 30 something. Bro, I found me out and ain't officially meet until like maybe last summer yeah. when I was doing a cell. Like when we would conversate, you know, well, converse on Facebook because it's like, all right, all these Johnsons, it's like, yeah, I'm Phil, son. I'm like, I'm Phil, son. I started calling people, like, yo, I'm Phil, I can't. Like, who? Who this boy? So we've been like talking, yeah. but yeah, we ain't officially meet until like maybe like last year, year before. So yeah, I found out her brother when I was 20, I turned, just turned 21. Mm-hmm. Um, and funny. it's not funny, bro. This story is funny. So, a couple months ago, <laughs> and again, I don't know if I'm, if I'm over the situation or if I just, I just don't give a fuck anymore. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Because he calls me. He says, yo, that's some bad news. Just found out the pops died. This face right here, that you mm-hmm. see right That was my face. I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. What you want me to do? Yeah. He's like, you going down there to, to grandma's house? 
No, I'm good. Just let me know when the funeral is. I'll be respectful and be there. Mm-hmm. And then hung up. And then I called mom. I'm like, yeah, mom, they found out my pop pop died. She's like, what? No, he didn't. Hold on. So she called my grandmother, confirmed that it wasn't him. It was her other son. But it, the, the 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 fucked up part that I honestly think I just, I just was I just didn't care. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was me, like I said, me being over the situation, or just the pent up rage and emotions from years that I've had that I just like whatever. Okay, I've done. It is what it is. That was you. I'm sorry. That was you protecting yourself. Yeah. Sometimes right. you have to emotionally disconnect from people. Yep. Because I was the same with my father. My father passed. I was like, uh, and they all, all the other siblings, they're calling me. Like, well, we got to get some money from the foot. That's all I want. What you asking me for? Like, <laughs> and he raised them. At this point, I'm like, I'm completely and totally emotionally disconnected. I'm not angry. I'm not yeah. frustrated. I'm not bitter. I'm made, just you emotionally your, disconnected from you. You made your me. peace with it. Right. You yeah. said your brother called you? Terrence called said, Yeah. Y'all dad died? Yeah. But your mom called your grandma? And so said, my, yeah, so my mother. So how he get that information? How your brother get that information? He was from my cousin. He, oh, your cousin. He, yeah, he said that. He was uh, He said a certain cousin <laughs> called him and told him. And he called me. But when he called me. But here's the fit. The- I, I, I get where you're coming from, but at the same time, like me and cousin got to talk. Don't call and say it was my dad when it was really his brother. Like, no, you I, 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 to be honest with you, I don't think. I think Terrence just got the, the, the information wrong. He, he was high. He heard he heard my he heard my dad died and he said, Oh my dad died. Okay. <laughs> like, that's what I'm saying? So like, like I said, bro, I I don't know how the, the, how he got that information, but. I just felt at peace. I was just, I just didn't care. Now, I told mom, I said, yo, it's messed up that if it was Steve, my godfather, uh-huh. if somebody was told me something, I'd be snotting, bro. I don't know how I would control myself, whatever the case may be. But like, I'm like, I'm glad they didn't tell me that it was Steve. And like, I had to like, like grab that emotional back. Like, you know, when uh-huh. people cry for certain, certain things, they're just emotionally drained. So I'm glad I didn't have to go through that. Mm-hmm. But, I got on the game. Was talking wrong. Yo, bro, what's going on? Let's play some duty. It, is is your dad still alive? He's still alive. But it's, but a lot of people, a lot. I think a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people connotate that because you know we're biologically connected. That means that we actually have a relationship, mm-hmm. and it, and it doesn't. And it, and there's a point in which. From a biological perspective, you want to reach out to this person to understand who this person is and where you get certain mannerisms and certain behaviors from. But at, at the end of it, it's the people that raised you. It's the people that poured into you. Those are the people that mm-hmm. really matter at the yeah. end of the day. That's true. You know, I'm like I have a stepdad. I am a stepdad. You know what I mean? And I, I have I came to that realization a long time ago. Like it's the people that are pouring into you. It's the people that are actually giving giving you their time and their attention. That that really really matter. Those are your parents at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So I mean, when when you when he when you heard that he passed away, I can totally understand why you didn't have any emotions. You had no connection to him. Right. Like why why would you why would you care about just like saying you know, uh, cousin Mary's sister's aunt's nephew's roommate died. Like oh, I'm, I'm sorry. My condolences for your loss. Mm-hmm. Okay. I thought I thought I was living up to my name. No, <laughs> but so no no so but now now that I'm older, <clears throat> and the fact that you explained that. It actually makes like it. It was funny at the moment, but it was like we was like we was like we was playing close, like we was like in a laughing, joking mood. So it was like, yo, you just don't care. 
now that I'm older and experiencing some stuff, it's like I kind of understand it. If somebody yeah. would have texted me and told me, well, me and my dad wasn't talking, I'd like, your dad died. It's like, oh, shoot, we're in the funeral. Right, in the hospital for a certain period of time. I lost it. What you mean in the hospital? And it was like the information came. It wasn't, it was like, it, it was, I want to say it was like vague information. Like, we didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yo, we got to go see Reg. Like, we, we got to go to the hospital. <laughs> so it was me, my mom. Yeah, I don't think Jamal, I know me, my mom, and grandmom came. Um, but it was like one of the things where it's like, all right, I, so I get there. He writing in the paper. He's sitting up, and he got hair on his head in his face. Like this nigga ball. Like what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> but it's like when I saw him, I'm like, all right, he good. Yeah. So I I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I get that. I get that. Yeah, because they, they was out there holding holding a, a death watch. Bro, the nurse yeah. telling me she said like it's a room full of people. I said tell them people they don't. It's not time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. It's not time. It's not time. So when they came, I knew that I had to put them at ease. And when they came in the room. I was like, uh, I need somebody passing my phone. I got some bills today. My check went in my account today, and I need lights when I get home. <laughs> <laughs> he doing like a crossword puzzle, great in papers. I'm like, what? It's like he working. What they said, <laughs> what I'm looking at is different. Yeah. But like, if it been my yo, your dad in the hospital. Oh wow. Like, but, when, but, when, but, when but we had to pass. I didn't even like it was like open Facebook. I didn't. Like, oh, okay. I didn't. I didn't cry. And I, and I, and this back when I was active on Facebook, I, and I had to do you know deal with all the funeral stuff. I was like, I, I'm here to bury Caesar, not to praise him. Right, right. I say that, and that 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 ticked off a lot of people because um, the our family's relationship with my father mm-hmm. was different from my right. relationship Correct. because to them that's Uncle Phil. Yeah, that's everybody's that's everybody's favorite uncle. Right. He a little mm-hmm. crazy, but but that's but that's everybody's favorite uncle. For me, I'm I'm the horse son. Right, you know what I mean. I'm, right. I'm the one that I'm the one that you basically you chose to rock over. Which, right. you, like, listen, when people put that they, they put that crack rock up, like nothing. Everything else is second. Everything right. else is is three A. Right. Because one, because one, one A, one B, one C, one D, one E is all that crack rock. Right. So, um, they didn't understand that. Um, they didn't understand my experience mm-hmm. and living under house. Uh, our grandfather mm-hmm. broke all of them. Yeah, I like when, when and when we started when Jeff started talking. Yeah, we, that's when I found out. There's a lot of stuff I didn't know. Man. So, so that gave me um, that allowed me to give them a lot of grace. Like as men, when we have to heal from the traumas of our past, uh-huh. we have to look at what situations created the men that brought us into this world, mm-hmm. and figure out why are they broken. Mm-hmm. You know, so we, so you, me, Jeff. Gerald, we, we're generational curse breakers. Correct. Because the behaviors that created that household mm-hmm. are behaviors that I would never allow in my house. Would never allow in my house. Because they were broken individuals. And yeah. that's why they became that's how yeah. they acted that's why they acted the way that they acted. It's a saying that I that I really, really like. Um it's uh Oh, I kinda wanna say it for a quotable too. Never mind, I'm gonna say it for a quotable. No, you can't I don't like Cliffhanger. Say that they use for quotable. Right. They don't listen. Heal. <laughs> They're gonna miss it. They're gonna miss it. Watch. I guarantee they do. All right. Um, heal because we have children who don't deserve the broken version of us. Like, amen. I like at like going back to like all the things we used to talk about with Ty. Like he twelve. So because of the things that I chose to speak out about mm-hmm. at thirty years old, and we had that conversation when I came to the house and I was talking yeah. about all the suicidal issues and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I. I expressed these feelings at 30 because I was never either granted the mm-hmm. the courage, not mm-hmm. the courage, but like granted the, 
the, the time to actually say these things or right. to respect to say these things or right, to right. build up the courage to say these things. But I can't do that with him because I know if I wait until I'm like 50 plus and he 30 and he come to me, I might feel that same way. So I try to change that now while he's 12. We're going to run. That's good. We yeah. Mm. You getting rolled on. Uh, <laughs> he is getting rolled on. <laughs> One thing before y'all continue. Speaking on what y'all was talking about, your fathers. Mm-hmm. Now, my father and I, we had a good relationship. Mm-hmm. Ain't gonna lie. Raised in the house with him, everything. When my father passed away, y'all remember that song by Luther Vandross, Dance With My Father? Mm-hmm. I couldn't hear it. Mm-hmm. Every time I heard it, Break it broke down, down and cried. Let me ask you a question. How you feel about this song right now? I don't know. I haven't heard it in a while. Stay but I, I don't see that's listen, the thing. Listen, listen. I don't know. Stay tuned. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, oh, every but, I but was on the job. You know it. Oh, I was on the job. Look, look. Oh wow. Remember you like that at the wedding when they played the shot slide show, bro? That joint, no, y'all. That joint tore me up, man. And it was at that moment when I that that particular moment is what made me start thinking my day. Because I probably talked to him probably a couple years. Nope, I lied. What am I? Thirty two. Last. Mm-mm. Maybe the year before last, I called him. It was like right, right after my birthday, I called him. And I, I told my brother, I said, yo, I need, um, give me your pop number. He said, you sure? I said, yeah. Because one day, I was going, it was Father's Day. I was going to do like a Father's Day dinner. I was like, yeah. Is that the conversation we talked about when I was like, yo, you need to do that? Probably. Probably. Yeah. Um, I said, gee, I said, get you, your dad, I said, i cook. Father's Day dinner, have him come over. Don't tell him. Make sure he's not drinking. Cause this not going if he drink it, it's <laughs> yes, it was because that was the same day I said Brian was going through that. Brian Pop passed, I want to say, I think Brian Dad did pass like around that time, yeah. So it was the same thing because yeah. and y'all both really went through the same thing because it was like, yo, let me have these conversations because I don't want to like end on that note. I don't, right. I don't want it to be a, a moment where like he passed and I didn't get a chance to have these conversations. Right. You know so we set it up for we set up for Father's Day. He had just got into a situation with my nephew. Situation. He said, F him. He not coming. I'm not coming. Ain't nobody coming. <laughs> Alright, cool. Fast forward a couple months later and I, I, again, I think it might have been I think it was after Brian's dad died and it was something else that happened with somebody in her dad. And I'm like, yo, I need to call my pops. And when I called him, I'm like, I don't even know how to have this conversation. Like I don't I don't know what to say. Like I know what I feel, but you can't start the conversation off that way. You don't know what you're walking into, you know if you're drunk, sober, or nothing. Mm-hmm. If he's sober, he's gonna receive it one way. If he's drunk, it's gonna be something completely different. And then we're going backwards. So it was just like he gave me a number, I think I sat on it for probably like probably like three weeks. And I called him like, yo. And he got the voicemail. So he called me back and he was like, Hello? And I was like, hello? He was just drawing. I was like, yeah. He was like, I thought I heard the message, but I wasn't sure. Uh, but, I mean, then after that, you know, we've been telling him. I mean, we, we, we talked about that particular situation. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I'm not going to say it went nowhere. Because it's one of the things that he said he didn't say it the way he said it. Or he didn't mean it the way he meant it. Or whatever the case may be. But it's like, it's, it is what it is. Yeah. Before you go to that. And this is why we, I feel like we have such a bond. Like, it, it wasn't. It wasn't for trying. Like, we tried. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I don't know if I told y'all the story or I heard the story about when I graduated out of high school. Called him up, like, you know, just wanted to let you know I graduated. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I know. And I was like, well, how do you know? He's like, oh, I seen y'all across the street. I'm like, well, damn, I didn't come across the street and get a picture. 
Right. Yeah, so that's 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 when I started, you know, realizing like as a man, like yo, I'm about to go into this world, and I've yeah. had somebody that I'm trying, but the, yeah. the, that 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 trying is a hundred percent to nothing. It's almost like it's backwards, like yeah. where where you feel like he should be trying to reach out to you and establish a relationship, mm-hmm. you find yourself trying to reach out to him. Wait, did, um, y'all, y'all watch All American? Mm-hmm. I, no, not I, not consistently. Right. So that's what happened on All American. Spence, uh, he was his pop came back around mm-hmm. and. His pop always went to the games, but he never said nothing. Never said to nothing. Him. Yeah, I and then he part. went to I think it was that championship game when they won, yeah, and they yeah, actually talked. Good. And Spence was getting on him. He was airing him out, and then he told him like, basically told him like, I seen this game. He put like put out the stats and all that, and he was like, Why well, ain't say nothing to me? And that's how yeah, that's that's actually what that sound like. But but that's a part of their brokenness. Yeah, they, they, it, it takes it takes courage to walk up what you know you've done wrong. Mm-hmm. Like so, he could he could. There's a barrier. There was a barrier in the middle of that street. Yeah. He wanted to see it happen, mm-hmm. and that that's also speaking to the sense that there's a sense of love for you from him. The fact that he was just staying across the street, mm-hmm. he just had the courage to cross it yeah. and actually let you know he was there. And it's that accountability, right? right? Like like a lot of guys, like in you know when when you start going back in the time, um, they those guys have problems with showing their emotions. Mm-hmm. And being vulnerable and being accountable, like like that was my that was my father's issue. He had issues with being accountable for his actions. Not and the, the fact of the matter was it while it's his fault because they were his actions that he committed. Him having a better understanding of what he went through and how that process broke him down would have made him more vulnerable, made him more understanding of look. You know what? I'm not perfect. I haven't been perfect. I'm sorry, but I wanna I wanna fix this. And it's, it's that step that, um, you know, some men have an issue with. Because if you haven't seen a man model that, seen a man fall on that sword, seen a man take responsibility for his actions, and as we like to say, own your shit, because mm-hmm. I tell that to my sons mm-hmm. all the time, own your shit. Like it, don't, like, it don't matter. You did it right or wrong. You need to own it. Because the only way to move forward mm-hmm. is after you own it. And, and, you know, I tell them, another thing that I tell them all the time is, like, when you point fingers, wherever you point the finger, that's where the power is going. So when I say, well, why did you do X, Y, and Z? And they say, oh, well, well, Gio did this or Jay did that. I'm like, so why does he have the power over you? Because wherever you point in that finger, that's where the power is going. Once you point the finger here and you take accountability, now, you have, now you're empowered to make changes. Mm-hmm. So that, that's the biggest issue with, you know, with, with men in general, but especially the older guys who have that, that have that pride, have that ego that's like, I'd rather stand across the street and watch you graduate than... Go over there and say, you know what? I was wrong this entire time. I'm sorry. I want you in my life. So the interesting thing about that is, um, in terms of, let's just say, like, like graduation. He missed all that. Mm-hmm. But if you walk in his house, he got pictures of all of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, how? Like, how do you have pictures of me on my prom? I only have pictures of me on my prom. <laughs> because like how do you how do you have that you gotta think about where he <clears throat> came from think about he he never had a, a father that 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 showed that yeah that's true and he and so he, he was a model and he didn't understand that if he took the power mm-hmm. he could have created that mm-hmm. you know i like i didn't have that mm-hmm. we didn't have that but guess what we still want that we still want to create that for our Correct. kids Correct. so i'm cre- right. i'm creating for my children something that i never actually saw in real life mm-hmm. gotcha you know and and it, it could, it's also like a part of them rebuilding themselves because you could best believe if those pictures are there 
Everybody that come in, like, yeah, that's my son right there. Yep. Yeah, that's right. my son right there. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's almost like saying, <laughs> see, look, I'm not a complete and total failure. Yeah. Look, I made this. Yeah. Look at this right here. Yeah. It, it, it's it's yeah. <laughs> it's deep, bro. He's doing good for himself too. Right. Yeah. Even though and he didn't have nothing to do with they it. They weren't there. They still feel like, well, I I can take a look, a small part of that. Can I can I get one percent? Gotcha. Yeah. I, I was there when he. I was there when he got here. Like, right. <laughs> right. I was there when he got here. Cause I didn't grow up with my pop, but once I met him, I said, "Thank you, mom." Cause I said, "Oh, she recognized that you just wasn't a man to be raising me." Mm-hmm. And oh, she wow. went and found my stepfather. <laughs> <laughs> like she just, I wouldn't. Even, I'm like, okay, I, the picture is clear. I don't mm-hmm. know if you left or whatever, but in my, I created a whole story in my mind. Like, no, she, she got you out of my way. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, yeah, she got you out of my way. Uh, next question, man. Um, a couple months ago, me, Shar, Mr. Hiram, Ms. Tony, we, all our kids, we went to Miami and we had a good conversation sitting poolside. And we was talking about the N-word. And we were saying how you don't like that word. And uh, I kind of want you to delve into it right now on the pod and let people know why you don't like it, why you don't look at it as what multiple generations call it as a uh, term, term of, of endearment. endearment. Yeah. No. Yeah, so I, like, it's not a term of endearment. We didn't create that word. Thank you. We didn't create that word. And 1970, I went in the military, stationed down in Texas. Oh, Y'all oh, know. Oh, man. Yeah. We was walking. We was we went into town from some buddies of mine. He was walking down the street. Actually, he was walking down the road because there was no sidewalk. And we kept hearing this engine revving, boom, 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 and it's dark. We were wondering what's going on. But you and you can, you know, you walking, you can see the headlights. All of a sudden, we turn around. White boy is leaning out the window on the car, yelling to his boy driving, "Kill them niggas, get them niggas." And ever since that day, from 1970. October, I will never ever call another black man or black person a nigga again. Because then that's when I really found out what that word means to me. Mm-hmm. And what it means to a whole lot of people that should know. That that word don't belong to us. We didn't I didn't wake up saying, you know what? You my nigga. <laughs> that, that's not funny, but that was that You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. White people <laughs> White people started that. Yeah. Calling us niggas. And you get these young little young boys, 10, 11, 12 years old, running around talking about nigga this and nigga that. You don't even know what the word means to begin with. But they following all of us. Because yeah. we still using that word today. Just like Richard Pryor said in one of his shows. He went to Africa. He didn't even think about using the word. Why? Because there are no niggas. No, no. There ain't no niggas. And he said he was, oh my God, I realized I was wrong. I don't let my friends to this day. None of y'all in here can you can come up to me and say, what's up, my nigga? I might punch you in your mouth. I don't believe in it. I won't say it. And then you get a lot of people, the first thing they say, oh, that's a term of endearment. We want to take the word back. Take it back for what? Yeah, for real. For what? We didn't start that. We didn't come out of, out of Africa getting put on a boat and chains and everything, brought over here, talking about nigga this and nigga that. 
That was the white man and calling why, us that. And why did he do it? You know? He, he, the reason that they used that word was to dehumanize us. Yeah. So they, because in, in, in reality, they were using that word to ease their own conscience. Because once they once we're once we're seen as subhuman, that gives them the mental and uh if you want to call it uh moral authority to dehumanize us. And now we've taken it, so now we dehumanize each other. And look at what goes on in the culture. Look what's going on in Philly right now. You know, it's crazy. You know what? It's I was watching listening to uh Michael uh J- whatever his name is, uh from SNL, his uh, stand up when he was talking about uh how black people using those kind of words and saying those kind of things, but white people don't even want to give us the basic human rights. We were fighting for civil rights. We don't, not even equal rights. And yet we still keep calling ourselves. Uh, again, we it's, it's used to dehumanize. Mm-hmm. And I mean, think about when you go to war with somebody or you go overseas like if you if you're in a conflict you don't call you don't call the enemy by their proper name you come up with a name yeah you and, come up with a name and, right. and world war ii it was jerry and uh you know in korea it was you know yeah. you know it was gooks or something like yeah, that vietnam was gooks. Vietnam, vietnam was gooks, gooks. yeah charlie and, 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 and all that kind of the mess. gulf yeah. war in the gulf war is hajis or and all this other stuff so you come up with names to dehumanize the enemy because it makes it easier for you to brutalize them you know what I mean? And right. so that's why you have, you know, you got these uh, these MAGA morons out here in the world. They call us those names because it makes it easier for them to do the things that they do to us on mass. And that, that's that, right. Yeah. It's and, crazy. And so when you do it, now you're doing it to yourself. Now you're dehumanizing yourself. So what happens? You see in the behavior. And it's not everybody. I'm not going to say that it's everybody. But it's a part of our culture that, um, that emphasizes that and lives off of that. And... You know, just to talk about our culture real quick, like our culture is trauma and it, it's, it sickens me. Like our culture is trauma, like from from uh, 1538 to today, our culture is trauma, you know, be it through slavery, through Jim Crow, desegregation, even now in this, you know, this post uh, civil rights era where now they're slowly reeling back trying, all yeah, the rights. Right, trying they, to reel they, it they, back. They're yep. trying to reel all that stuff back. They still have this campaign of dehumanization. Why Why should we give them rights? And this is how they act. And they use that propaganda to pull all this stuff back. And they and I, I say it to my kids all the time. Um, and you might have to mute this. But, you know, how many, how many songs would you hear on a radio saying a Jewish slur? Mm. How many how many uh, songs on the radio would you hear saying a gay slur? Mm-hmm. How many songs on the radio would you hear saying you know uh, an Arab or some other cultural slur? They would get they would get you know censored and pulled off the air. But we can talk about dehumanizing ourselves all the time. We can all call the our women bitches. We can call each other niggas and this that and the third. And I'm gonna shoot them and I'm gonna do this. And it's on the radio. It's on the radio. And it's on the TV. And they and they love it. And, and they and they monetize it. Right. I was gonna say yeah, Jay Z made a billion, somebody above him made two billion. Yeah, yeah. look at Dave Chappelle. The moment he his new latest comedy slip, say something about uh the trans- transgenders. Yeah. That, that, that's a whole... was, I'm just saying, but if he just said stuck to his own race, they wouldn't have said nothing. Here's, here's, the ma- here's the masterwork of that of that of that he's show. Not canceled, though, yeah, he, he got a I mean he's not out. canceled, but, but you know but, they tried they here's the beauty of uproar. Here's the beauty of that. He talked about black people. He talked Everybody. about white people. He talked about homosexual people. He talked about 
uh, different cultural groups. The minute he, the only group that got upset at what he said was the trans community. Mm-hmm. And talking about white people for years and black people. They talk about everybody. So that just goes to show you how you have people who want who feel as though uh, they want to monetize this this anger, this hatred, or this vitriol toward. That's there you go. There's a word again. This vitriol towards a specific group. You gotta look it up, bro. <laughs> Rez, you got anything to add on that? That's the quarterboard for next week. <laughs> well, I, I'm just saying, like, I, first of all, I won't deny anyone the right to use the word. I don't like the public display. Yeah, true. I hear that. Yeah. I got you. Like, yeah. on buses and trains. Train, train, yeah. Like, yeah. okay, yeah. If, if you and your boy sitting around and this nigga this and nigga that, oh, look, it is what it is. But... You're on a train full of people of all different nationalities. And it's just like, they're not absorbing that the way you think they are. They're not absorbing the way you're giving it. It might be a term and between me and you. They're sitting over there saying, these are some ignorant ass yeah. people. And, that, and that's, the, that's, the, that's the, root of the, the root of the word is niggard. N-I-G-G-A-R-D. Yes. Which means mm-hmm. to be ignorant. ignorant. Yes. But you have, you have a bunch of uh, ignorant people. Who don't really know how to speak the proper language mm-hmm. and it gets shortened from nigger to nigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me ask y'all this, man. Uh, when y'all when y'all hear these three things, uh, let me see what y'all think. Um, the top three scariest things in America. A black man with a book, a black man with a gun, a black man teaching these things to a younger black man. When y'all hear that, like how, like what, what comes to y'all heart when y'all hear that? Teaching what? Teaching the book and the gun? Not teaching the book and the gun, but you know how, like, all right, who said a big kiss? Mm-hmm. You want to hide something from a and word, put it in a book. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we get that knowledge, we're powerful. Mm-hmm. We are, we have the right to bear arms. When we mm-hmm. do that, we're powerful, but we're still, like, like the white, white cops and stuff, they mm-hmm. still fear that. Uh, unarmed. Unarmed. Yeah, and... Us teaching, mm-hmm. or like you just we just had the conversation with Tiwa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know I mean when we teach our kids these things, because they don't want us, they don't want us to no. teach our kids these things. They don't want that power to go down in multiple generations mm-hmm. after that. You know what I'm saying? So when y'all hear like these three things, like I think is the most powerful thing in America. I think is the most scariest thing in America to other cultures as well. I, I believe that there is an instinctual fear of, uh, I guess you want to call it vengeance or revenge from black people against white Americans. So much so that this country has enacted laws and put systems in place to keep black America separated and distracted and manipulated. So, so much so that, you know, 40, 50 years ago, they created a system where we'll give white women, we'll give black women homes, but we can't have a black man in them. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll create a system by which you can get access to a man's resources without having a man. We call that mm-hmm. child support. And so I believe that black or that America in general is afraid of black men. Because in, in the hierarchy, because no, there's no other group of men in America that is as that is as structurally persecuted mm-hmm. as a black man. They they target us because they understand the power that we have in teaching our children and in, in creating black communities and creating black um, 
just black uplift in general. Um, so much so, but unfortunately, we've kind of taken the bait because when you have women that will say, oh, I'm going to get pregnant by this guy, but I don't want to be with him. I'm just going to juice him for the child support. That's real. Oh, he corny. I don't want to be with him. He just got a good job. So, you know, he worked for SEPTA. So I'm going to get that. I'm going to get that bag. You know, I'm going to I'm going to get child support and I'm going to live on Section 8 and pay $38 a month for my house. And I'll go get me a dope boy that'll give me his attention until I get tired of him, then I'll kick him out. And so all so all of these things are kind of created to kind of isolate and degradate the black man and kind of keep him in a in a in a weakened state. Because they know that, guess what? If we have knowledge, and more importantly, if we're able to assume our proper role in the black family, that we can create our own communities. We can do our own things. We've done it before. We've done it multiple times. You know, even going back as far as Tulsa and all those other things, when we when we when the black family is united, the black community is is whole and it can be profitable and prosperous. But white America and I'm, I'm not going to say white America, I will say American society is designed to exploit the black community because there always has to be a slave class in the capitalist society. There always have to be a. a like there's slavery and then there's like that lower class society and they have to have that, you know, um, there's wage slavery across the board in America. We're just the most effective because we're the most um, we're the most targeted group. So that black man, assuming his role in that home, basically will establish proper authority that resolves a lot of issues that happen in the black community. You know, once we as men can kind of sit together and talk, we can build our communities. Guess what? Our sons don't have to go to school, Go don't have to play basketball in the NBA. Guess what? My son owns four laundromats. You know? Your, your son owns two, three dry cleaners. Your son owns real estate. Your son is is the, you know, is the chairman of the bank. And together we build our own community. Mm-hmm. That's what that does. And, and, and they also use publicity to normalize things with mm-hmm. numbers. Because I, I teach math and I start my school year letting my students know how society will use numbers to manipulate your mind. Mm-hmm. Like they'll tell you, oh, this 60% of black households do not have a father living in them. But then there's another study that shows that when they look at all races of men, no other race of men have a higher percentage of involvement in their children's life in the house or not. As far as reading to them, taking them places, picking them up from school, no other race of men, they don't show you that stuff. Right. Yeah. Like they don't show you the good stuff. Yeah, the chick don't show you the good stuff. Of course. Then. She's she like lives off numbers. So when people be trying to tell her real stuff, she'll dive into numbers and say yeah. and, and her rebuttal will be, Why is it why are these numbers like this? Why are these numbers doing this? Because she, and then she'll blame it on mm-hmm. I mean, but the, the, people, the people who are saying work. stuff to her yeah. is, is, is telling her real stuff that they, like real experiences. The numbers can tell any story you want them to. Exactly, exactly. But, exactly. but she's, she's seeing all the numbers. She's choosing the numbers that she needs to profit from. Yeah, yeah. and at the end of the yeah. day, those, right. those, those, those people are shysters. The, the, the Candace Owens of the world, the, uh, what's the guy, uh, Jesse something, the, 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 the guy that claims he, he's a coon and all this other stuff. Um, I forget his name. It's not Jesse Holmes, but um, you know, Je- I think it's Jesse Lee Peterson. I don't want to. I don't want to uh, skew his name, but you know, uh-huh. you have these people that they they they're grifters, and they're willing to quote unquote sell out their own people 
to make a buck and sidle up to, you know, the majority society. And it's a shame. I got a quick question. Since uh, what you were just uh, kind of talking about, uh, I don't know if you guys all seen the uh, Tiana Trump uh, thing with PJ Tucker. No. With her and him get, getting him, he got her pregnant, but her whole goal was to get pregnant by him since he's a basketball player and then keep the kid and get child support from him. The other day? No, the original one. The, okay. You, when she got uh, pregnant the, by the, the, the young lady that um, yeah. Deion Sanders had come out to the Jackson Yeah, and I wanted to that's, talk that's about that. Brittany Renner and yeah. PJ Washington. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's about PJ Tucker. Yeah. It threw me off. I got I'll, I'll, my fault. You good. Got the name a little clear. But then when, she, when they went on, her and her, well, her friend and all that went to speak at school, mm-hmm. Deion Sanders. How would would you feel about that? Knowing that they're out there doing that, but then going to speak to the kids, do you feel like it's they might be trying to groom them, or are they really speaking truth scout. to these kids? I, I think that scout. was the first time she spoke truth. Yeah, I honestly yeah, thought I, she, it was a scout. That, to that, me, that's to I mean, groom. for her it might be, but the reality is, um, these these young men have to understand that they're targets. For, that's what for, she was for telling for them. Um, and the game is a game, like. I, I give my sons and I give my daughter the game. I, I tell them, you know, this is what people are trying to do to you, period. You have to understand, you have to see, you have to recognize the behavior and you have to have countermeasures in place to protect yourself from those from those countermeasures. Like I tell my sons, like, look, you out, you out, you living on your own because you're not bringing no girls back into my house. Like, you can stay here as long as you need to, but you're not bringing no females back in here. That's when it's time that you go. Anyway, when you had that girl and that girl's not your wife, she shouldn't be spending the night. And here's why. Because if the condoms is on the left side and you sleep on the right side, and in order to get to the condoms, you got to go over her, chances are you will not make it to the condoms. Mm-hmm. And if that's not the point in life that you are at. <laughs> Yo, that's so real. <laughs> if, you're not, if you're not at that point where you're ready to, to commit to this person on that level, they shouldn't be sleeping in your bed, period. Right, so they can come over. You can have your fun, but guess wow. what? At the end of the night, you gotta bounce. Cause I got goals, I got things. Like I tell, I tell my sons, be honest in all things, you know. And the problem is, you can tell them to be honest, but not everybody gonna be honest with them. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she can give that, she can dispense that game, mm-hmm. is a, is invaluable. Because those young guys don't understand that um, people are uh, just because people are nice to them that they're not always good people yeah. because everybody's been nice to them. Mm-hmm. You know, these are kids grow up in AAU ball. People have been giving them stuff since they were six. So if some pretty girl comes up to them and is nice to them, they're like, oh yeah, she's a good girl. No, she just want to get in your pocket. She want to put a baby on you. And so that that's just social behavior that they have to be trained on. Like we all come into the world butt naked, wet and screaming. Everything after that is learned. So we can't expect people to just understand stuff right. off the gate. Everything is a learned behavior. So if you don't teach it, how are they going to know it? Mm-hmm. Okay, I get you. So is it safe to say that a successful black man is a threat to everybody? I'm <laughs> out. Um, I would say to everybody. Well, every other culture. No, no. Because even, even to some mm-hmm. black people, successful black men are threats to them as well. True. I think that, yeah. like, like we, and we joke all the time. But we, yo, I hate people that represent them. Like and it was like it was a joke, but it's like the the stigma that comes with the people that worked for Scepter. Listen to me. 
<laughs> main man on that 21 if I ever see him again I'm telling you I, it was God the way I haven't seen him it's on site it's on site it's on site I'm telling you he he didn't make me feel this big but I knew what he was doing because I used to work for something and and like I, I I'm gonna make it count <laughs> Well, you got to think about it. In the, in, the, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. And in a city where people are struggling, the fact that you got constant, consistent employment and you can make almost as much as you want, as a, yep. especially as an operator. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I used to be, I was a mechanic for SEPTA for a couple of years. Um, the, the money, like you, if you look at the facilities lot and the operators lot, it's totally different. It's a difference. Like the, the, the operators lot look like a car show. Mm-hmm. Over there, yeah. and they're yeah. they're and like and they and he's still living check to yeah. check. Me and my man B was just talking about that because like after our first year, B went and got the the, the, the uh, charger, the challenger. He went and got the challenger. I don't even think it was a year. I think it was like eight months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, once you got your routes and you and you can get that and you know that you can get that money, yeah, they they, they go like, nuts. And but a lot of people they conflate being a high earner with being in a higher class. Mm-hmm. And it's not, mm-hmm. the same. Yeah. it's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. Because I worked in New York, New York City Transit. Yeah, almost MTA. thirty years. Yeah, yeah. See, MTA, Let's flip it around. ATM, ATM. <laughs> and believe me, they thought mm. we was ATMs. Really? And like you said, the money's there. Yeah, the money is there. If you want to make some money, you can make it. It's no problem. Yeah. Because you and can. a lot of people don't like that. You know, they look at you like, oh, you think you better than me. Like, you get a, a lot of kids, or a lot, especially the young kids, and even some men. You driving the bus, they get on, they want to get all snotty and nasty with you. It's like, my man, where you think I come from? Right. I come from the same place you come from. Right. You think I'm going to sit behind this wheel and let you do whatever you want to me? You got to be insane. Which is why I couldn't understand it. Like, the story was, I um I went to go drop my car off mm-hmm. at my uncle's shop on 54th and, um, and uh, Walnut. Mm-hmm. And my ashtray was literally eight quarters. Nothing else. No pennies, no nothing. Literally Mm -hmm. eight quarters. I don't know how I got eight quarters. I took the eight quarters, went to the bus stop. Got to the bus stop, got on. I said, oh, my man, I only got $2. Can you let me slide for 50 cents? I had my post office uniform on, but the reason I had it on was because my uncle was like, yo, just come. It's going to take like two hours, two, three hours, and you can roll out. He, when I got there, he was like, nephew, you're going to be mad. I got to keep your car. So I'm like, all right. Like, I put my uniform on. I got to catch the bus back back home and then catch the bus to work. Yeah. When I, I got on, I said, yo, can you let me slide for 50 cent? He said, go ahead. When he pulled off, he looked up. When he looked up, he seen my uniform. First thing he said was, I expect people with jobs to pay their fare. <clears throat> I said, excuse me? I expect people with jobs to pay their fare. I said, oh, my man, you just let me slide for 50 cents. It don't matter. I ain't asked you that. I said, oh, he trying to take the story back to the to the, to the yeah, depot yeah. and tell all the chicks at the joint. And now he could be like, now the girls can laugh at him. And like, he, I knew what it was. I told him, I, I broke the whole thing down. But he got crazy. Like, 
he was like, and then you only going to 61st Street? You could have walked. Like he, like he was really, mm. and then all the old ladies on the bus was like, you know you're wrong, you know you're wrong, leave that bus driver alone, go to work, yeah. go to work. And I was just like, yo, I couldn't, how are you getting, like, <laughs> <laughs> yo, remember when the, yo, the, the bus driver who well, uppercut the two, that's, that's how I wanted to uppercut him, like, I was just, and I knew exactly what he was doing, that's why I really ain't like, yeah, you know I mean, like get engaged too much, but I was like, "Yo, my man, just hit six, yo! Like, just hit six, keep it keep, moving, keep it moving. That's it. That's all I had to do was keep. You, if that was the case, you shouldn't have let me slide for fifty cent, right? Because in actuality, they're not supposed to fight with you about mm-hmm. the fact. Check and request, keep yeah. keep it moving, but keep it moving. See what that is? That's a, that's a perceived sense of power. Yeah, see, yeah, success. I'm not concerned about people that have success. Yeah. I'm concerned about people that have power, mm-hmm. and then if they have financial success to go with that power. That's dangerous. But yeah. on every level, there are people that have a perceived sense of power throughout certain points of their life and throughout their day. At that point in his day, he had a perceived sense of power. Right. Like, I, yeah. I, I can control this right now. I can do this. And he would yeah. be the same way if he reached the highest heights financially, mm-hmm. he would be the same asshole with that same uh, type yeah. of trick. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. Like, power or power doesn't change people. Power only magnifies who they are. It's just a it's, it's mm-hmm. a force it's a force multiplier. Money just money like is money, a form yeah. of power. Just like it's, it's just a force multiplier because now you know I, if I'm if I'm an asshole but I'm broke I can only do broke asshole shit. Right. <laughs> if I got money yeah, now funny. I can do rich that's asshole money. <laughs> I can do rich asshole shit. So, right, so right. It's, it's just and that and that's the difference. So what and, and that and that experience dealing with that bus driver. Yeah, you, I mean, it's like if anything, I'd have just been like, especially in a post uniform, mm-hmm. I'd be like, I hope you, I hope you don't, get, I hope you get direct deposit because you know, yeah, 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 you can, you can, you can reverse that on. You know, I only, I only had six blocks, I, I couldn't get it all out of time. <laughs> but, but speaking of power, I wanted to. Uh, we don't even have this on our 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 to, our list of questions, but I wanted to get this get y'all topic on this to not to go too far into it, but just to um see how y'all feel. Uh, I'm going to put it out there. I voted for Biden. The reason why I voted for Biden was because, yeah, I know policies and stuff, mm-hmm. how how that's like more important and all that. But my thing was, if I can get somebody out the office who's inciting racism, like, yeah, he might not be racist, whatever. Or like, yeah. even though... The, called it the China virus. All the stuff he did, mm-hmm. but my thing was, was he funny. he it incited. Was I that felt was like funny. I felt like he incited mm-hmm. racism and violence yeah, and like, stuff like that. So did it that's, so I did that because first of all, I got a twelve year old son who out here playing mm-hmm. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like if he played basketball, he ha- he ha- it hasn't happened yet. But thank God, like no cops came up. Just being like crazy to him, yeah. like, but that's why I did it. So if I could like play a part in trying to dumb it down just a little bit, mm-hmm. like that's why I voted. Mm-hmm. Next time I'll pay attention I mean, to the uh, to the to the policies and all that. There stuff was a uh, talk last night where Iggy Azalea. I don't like her for nothing, but she made a valid point where people were complaining about Biden, and she was saying basically that didn't we all come together and agree on a consensus that we would vote in the person that would basically get us to keep the peace instead of inciting the riots and inciting uh hate and causing problems throughout the whole world. Uh-huh. I mean, that's basically what we did. 
Yeah. How y'all feel about to that? To me, the man got away with murder. Oh, yeah. He got away with murder. He mm-hmm. killed 600,000 people yeah, with this virus. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I wanted to play it down. Oh, the virus ain't this. It's going to tell people to take bleach. Drink bleach. It's going to kill you. Are you crazy? And he, he and got, some people and he did got that. Away with, yeah, and some they, people did. And they didn't even couldn't even charge him for it. And that's the he crazy thing. He got away thing. with murder. So he, I, it, Trump is uh, he's another one in a line of celebrities that the the GOP will prop up as president, like they did it with Reagan. They did it with Reagan. That's right. And they got and they, the grand old party. The Republican party. That's the Republican party. The grand old party. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, he, he's another one in the long run. But I mean, I think that what happened with Trump, um, Trump was able to activate because he did the, the wink and the nod mm-hmm. to to enable, you know, a lot of the uh, the xenophobes and the racists and all mm-hmm. those people in the country. Uh-huh. They kind of activated them to let them know that they got somebody in power that'll let them, they'll do, let them do what they want. That's and right. So that, and that's all they needed. Now, for him, it's like I, these are just the people that I'm going to get the vote for me because exactly. he's just mm-hmm. a manipulator. Oh, yes. He's like like anybody that knows Trump, he's just a comment. That's yep. anybody anybody that anybody that lived or worked in New York City knows that homeboy is a scam artist. He's a scam artist. Part yeah. excellence. Like he's he's the one that'll get you to do work on his property and won't pay you. And then won't pay you and then tie you up in legal fees for three years and then you might get some of your bread. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so that that that, so that they, got, they got fooled by a charlatan because mm-hmm. Trump is none of those things that they want us to think Trump's not a racist, Trump's not a messiah. Trump is whatever he needs to be to win, to get his grip right. going yep. at that time. That's right. And they're still sending him billions, billions of and yeah, billions of oh, dollars yeah. to his coffers. Wasn't yeah. at one point he was on the Democratic side? He wasn't at one point. Yeah, years ago. It was an he did years ago. And he, yeah. what he said was, mm-hmm. he said, if, if I was to ever run for president, he said, I would be a Democrat. He said, because they would eat it all up. Republican, he said, because they're stupid and they would eat it all up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they mm-hmm. played that job so many times. And I'm like, I mean, hey, y'all still vote for him? listen, the man went on national for? TV and said that he wants police to look at the last Yeah, He said, got right there. That's the last thing. All he did, it was for him. It's just how I view it. It was a business decision for him. Because even what you're doing, all of that, you got the government paying because you stand everything is going through Trump Enterprise, Trump Towers. Yeah, I mean, he so was doing all of that. But all that was illegal. Your own money. Like, yeah. what? And it was illegal now they come up for him. Yeah, now, but, and but and that, was always, that was always illegal. But because he, it's like, um, you when he owned the, they, he basically ran the, the, uh, the governing bodies. Mm-hmm. He ran the, the, you know, everybody that would put the, the framework around him saying, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. He put all his people in place mm-hmm. and they just like, oh, yeah, that's the boss. That's the I, don't boss. Know, yeah, yeah. I don't know what's going on over there. They just, they do what they do. And and so, you know, for Trump, he basically hijacked a 50-year-old propaganda operation because mm-hmm. conservative radio, that the Rush Limbaugh's and the Laura Ingrahams and the Michael Schmirkanishes, that's been that's been going for, for, right. for yeah. decades. Yeah. Yeah. He basically stepped in, he hijacked their language and basically just... Started running it, and they just—they were just like, "Oh yeah, he—he—he uh, he, he can do no wrong." Like they—they they painted him as—I don't know if you ever seen the pictures, the posters. Like, um, I was driving through—I uh, was driving through New York State, went to the Finger Lakes in um, in August of this year, and going up there, if I got a dollar for every Trump flag, <laughs> every Confederate flag that I saw yeah, in New York State. You'd be a millionaire. I, I wouldn't, I, yeah, I, I could have took, took the next two years off. 
That's right. <laughs> I remember going to the right. it, and, that, and, that, and that's the America that we in the city, we don't see that. This might be a bad comparison. Literally, to my wife, we went to the car dealership of mm-hmm. the Kia in Westchester. Mm-hmm. Literally. I had the same story, just in a little town. Yeah. So I can imagine what you saw in New York State. Yeah. Compared to what I saw in like a seven hour drive. I'm like, babe, I don't even want to get the car from here. Yes, I'm, no, I'm yeah. going. I'm going to Essendon Avenue where my people's at. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the right. My, the last run that I had, um, I was doing Newtown Square. You didn't get lost. No, this is straight down Westchester Pike. Okay. But uh, I've had a stop called Edgemont. Oh, I, been there too. So, when next to Edgemont is a, a mechanic shop. Mm-hmm. When when I drive around back, right? When I drive around back. The girl at the one of the girls that worked at the post office I uh I was at, she took her car to them. The re- when I came around one day, Bo had a white excursion, but he had the Iron Cross Jones mm-hmm. inside his uh his tires. Okay. I was like, I don't want you to ever take your car to them. <laughs> <laughs> you take that drawing back to like somebody who got a black shop or something. And like it's that. so like, and it's so much like we. Here, here's the thing. She was like, "How you see that?" I was like, "I don't know." I was just driving, like you know, how you just see everything as drivers. Yeah, yeah. Like I turn, and when I look, like I almost crashed because when I turned, I was like, "Oh!" Like, but I was like, "Yo!" And, and, and that's something that I, I don't think that we we possess because we're we're so um, we're just so separated. We're so segregated and everything. They have a warrior culture that they steep. You know what I mean? So it's certain stuff like that whole like you know the little mm-hmm. okay sign mm-hmm. and, and um you know just certain like that blue line flags and all that other yeah. stuff. like they have they have their own kind they of hide they, stuff. They, they yeah. hide but they, they hide, 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 they, they hide no they don't they don't they hide it in plain sight in plain sight yeah. Yeah. they hide it in plain sight so yeah. they know so they can they can look at a guy who may not have. Um, he may not be might be wearing a, a Trump twenty twenty four shirt, but uh-huh. he might be wearing something that that you can look at him and be like, oh yeah, you you get down, you get down the way Remember I get down. Remember when I told you I went to go uh, pick my gun up from the John at um, uh, Shard old job. I pulled up. It was at a house. Usually, uh, like you could get it shipped to an FFL dealer. He was an FFL dealer, but he did it at his house. So when I pulled up, the uh, it was a truck in front of me. It looked like a crazy van. Like, it just looked scary. Mm-hmm. And I hopped out, walked up to the John, and um, he had a Confederate flag on his John. I was like, I know I'm not about to pick my gun up. <laughs> he going to use my gun on me. Like, <laughs> like, actually, I, I don't know how it happened. Luckily, thank God, when I went in, there was somebody there getting the gun from him. Like, mm-hmm. doing the switch and all that. But when I walked in, we actually had a whole conversation. And I ain't like... I, I was just talking to him to see where his mom was at, but I was like, man, you hate me for real. Like, <laughs> so I got a question, and I believe this is one of the questions that we had. Um, and I'm just going to give like a brief story about the turkey thing. So we go to pick up the turkeys, right? Me and go pick up the turkeys. Yeah. We're walking out the store um, and see two ladies that was like, they had like kids, they was like grabbing stuff. He said, hey, you need a turkey? Two Jamaican women. They say, man, one. we do. You know, gave her one. And they said, she said, I need one too. Gave her the other one. We walk out. Um, um, so we're walking out. There's another lady that we're talking to. She's like, "Oh my god, um, I already got people those away." But Caucasian lady. I, I ain't get to her yet. I ain't get. Well, she was Caucasian too. Caucasian. You're right. So it's like we just like building like a whole like dialogue. I turn around. There's a lady like looking. She's walking to the car. She's like looking. 
She asked the dumbest question. And it might have been dumb to her, but it pissed me the hell off. She said, did you guys buy those turkeys? And I just looked at her like... So you thought... So something she wouldn't ask for if it was a white Two big black to. men right. was walking out with, with a, a cart of turkeys, turkeys and, and, not, and turkeys. not getting stopped. So when she said it, I'm just like... Guess who's not getting it? What? <laughs> no, we gave her one. Gave her. I did. Oh, oh, I did. I'm going to tell you what I did. And you get the old one. You don't get exactly. the new one. That's what I did. You get the one with the due date is like... Right. Like... So listen, listen. So the turkeys that we literally just brought, yeah. right? We look about to load them up. So because she creepy look at the question, I looked at Aunt, looked at her, and I had a smart remark, but I'm like, No, I you it, did have a smart remark. I did, I Rome said, said Rome said, I got the perfect one for you. He <laughs> <laughs> right. went to the truck in the car. Went but the that car. was the one that was that was the one that was at his job for like went what two car. weeks or something. More like than two weeks. The, the, the bull boarded like Thursday, but it was a smaller turkey. Yeah. But you know, it take a turkey down a while unthought. Mm-hmm. That was already unthought. So now your time window is small. Mm-hmm. So since you think we still in these turkeys, take this raggedy ass turkey and get out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I felt. But in my head, I'm like, yo, this racist hustle. I, I think yeah. we all at least have experienced one racist moment to. in our yeah. life. Yeah, that, that, that right there, what you just, what you just, what you were talking about, that experience, it's called a microaggression. Right, that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. So, like, and just based off of that, I know that the racism that we may encounter now may be different from the racism that y'all may encounter when y'all were younger. Y'all want to touch on that? Y'all got that up front. I, I see overt racism. I never really encountered. Okay. I think the structural racism was just now that I reflect back mm-hmm. like the way even when we talked about uh when they start passing the laws that okay we're going to give you assistance but you can't have a man right. that kind of stuff gotcha well when they restructured the entire welfare system mm-hmm. and say okay now y'all women got to get out here and work because when I used to get, home, get out of school everybody in school in the neighborhood all the mothers were sitting on the steps when you turned the corner mm-hmm. right all the so, fathers came home at the same time. All the, the fathers, fathers came yeah. home at the same the, time. The, yep. the houses that had fathers in them, all those fathers mm-hmm. come and turn they the come corner at five o'clock, yep. six yep. o'clock. Yep. Uh, it was it was a more unified kind of thing I've going on. I've never seen that in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, I've it, never it, seen that. So I, I, feel like, I feel like my first yeah, but it was just like it was the last brief. generation. I feel like my block was like the last generation. It was up there. it was it was brief. So yeah. like like block parties were like truly block about party. unifying yeah. the yeah. block. Everybody come everybody 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 clean the block. Out. Like yep. you, you had to clean, you had to scrub yep. your steps, you had All to paint that. the side. Yep. All that happened before the cooking, right? Before my mom sugar. moved to where she lives now, it was like literally like it's still walking distance, like right behind Adams Run. She lives on Claremont Road. On Claremont Road, huh? What was that? I run the time before you moved to Adams Run. Uh-oh. It had to be before. I was going to say, dude, he was eight. <laughs> uh, so, on that particular block, and that was, that's the story I got up in our house. They lived two doors down from me. On that particular block, that was the last time that I would see everybody's dad pull up around the same time. That is the uh, last time I saw that. Mm-hmm. And I had to be at least in second... So more than second years grade, ago. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I feel like, it was my, like second grade. I was like one one of the last generations where there were men on the block. Like I remember, um, grew up in a two. I grew up in a two parent household because my mom, my stepdad. I remember I had like two neighbors. I had a neighbor down the street. Uh, you know, dad's like uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Murphy as Mr. Another Mr. Johnson down the street. Couple uh, uh, grown men across the street. So it's like 
Five o'clock, you see the so men just coming, yeah. pulling up, parking, yeah. coming out. Like, hey, yeah. what's going on, Mr. Cecil? What's going on, yeah. Mr. So and so? So that we understood, like, it's men on this block. Like, I, rem- I remember I got in a fight on a block, and I was doing, I was doing this young boy dirty. Like, we was like the same age. <laughs> I was doing dirty. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was just about, I was just about to like really go in, and one of the old heads on the block was like grabbing brown neck, like get, go, go take a walk. So. You probably, probably took a walk. Yeah. You probably was talking to him while you was there. <laughs> you was mad. That's how you know it's <laughs> I was. So I, so I was going in. And, and, but the old, but the old, but one of the dads on the block. Like, yep, they, like yeah. they were everybody's dad. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like my dad was everybody's dad. Like, right. so, so it's like when one, right. of the, when one of the grown men on the block tell you, yo, go take a walk. You need to cool off. You ain't got no choice. Because he won't, he won't tell your dad. And he's going to try him next. Yeah, that's right. You got to fight. Must have, the such and such that broke the fight, didn't fight your dad. No, yeah. no, like, so it's like, but day. they knew. So it's yeah. like, but that, but that's the community. Everybody's that's talking. How it was. Everybody that's spoke, how it was. and that's why you get like, oh yeah, you know, Miss So and So at the top of the block whooped my ass, and by the time I got home, oh, my mom, my yeah. mom just getting off the phone with her about the whoop you know? ass again. And then when if you had, a, if you had your dad in the house when he got home, he came and whipped your ass. He put, again. He put the overkill in. You <laughs> know, like three, four that. times, you get your butt whipped. Yeah, and, and that's how you kept everybody in line. And everybody. But the racist thing, I would say, the most racist thing that I encountered growing up was television. Yeah. There yeah. was not right. a black yeah, not a face black person on, on television. TV. Really? Right. No. The, uh, what, right. no. What was, was the show? The only uh, thing that was on was Amos and Andy. And they, Amos and Andy like, was, was a menstrual show. So I ain't never heard you're, of it. You're a kid. <laughs> so and you, if you're a television kid, your day is Brady Bunch. Party <laughs> it, It's like... All and these, all these wholesome white. Once things. in a yeah. while, somebody yeah. got a black maid. Little yeah. house on the prairie uh, and stuff like just, that. There yeah. were no black images on top. Yeah, we grew wow. up. We grew beef. up in that age where the family yeah. matters and the market. Yeah, yeah, see, yeah, y'all grew up with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We had Leave it to evil. Cosby Show. I don't care what y'all say about it. I still like Mr. Huffman. I don't know if you remember when. Bitch, what you call Because what you call is the modern day Cosby. Black bitch is the modern day Cosby. Yeah, I know, I know. Remember Brian was in love with 90210? Oh my god. I no, it was, it was it was it was Dawson's Creek. Dawson's Creek. Oh yeah. god. I'd be like, bro, Peace. you never had anybody shit on my TV all day. This black show was on now. So I got to have it. Him and Rodney's watched Dawson's Creek. Oh, they was in love with the with the little white girl on there. It was killing me. I was like, oh my god. Katie Holmes. God. <laughs> oh wow. So let me she got her so <laughs> Let me Oh, it's just her? Yes. Let him finish. 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 Let him and we could hear this, get off my land. We looking around, looking around. I said, get off my land. We looking around, looking around. Next thing you know, pow, 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 pow. We look up, white man standing up on the hill with his shotgun firing at us. Mm-hmm. You talking about wow. three little boys scared as hell? Took off running. Yeah, get off been, my land. It'd been, been, been pissed. Get off my land. And yeah, that's yeah. how it was back then. Yeah. Crazy. You couldn't, yo. Still certain blocks you couldn't even walk down. Yeah. Uh, like I, I, when I took you to New York, and I showed you where Yankee Stadium was. Yeah. 
Certain blocks on that side, on that side of the water, we couldn't go down. And it'd be like, yo, Yankee Stadium is right here. We can't come to the game? No, because this is on our block. What? But yo, but see, that's the other thing. That's the reverse thing. You could come in my neighborhood. But I can't come in yours. I can't come in yours. Yeah. And you see, know how many white people I see jogging and walking mm-hmm. their dogs right here? On oh, oh, yeah. This, 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 this proper gentrification. What? Gentrification. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. And they just be ha- waving at me. Hey! <laughs> Good morning. I'll be yeah. like, once you, once you get, once you get, <laughs> listen, once, once, y'all, once y'all get the Starbucks, it's, it's mm-hmm. all over. Yeah. yeah. Once so you're going to be gone by then. But then, <laughs> don't they still got, that's like Sunset, I showed you, uh, towns you see south? the white people walking around in Harlem now. Like, I was watching this show, I can't remember what it was. And the guy was asking the lady, where you from? I'm from Harlem. Lady, you ain't no, how you, you from Harlem? <laughs> By way of, like, yeah, yeah. Where you really from? Tell me where you in, really in from. You ain't from I told you. By way, um, by way of Madison County. I, it's, it's well, I, I want to talk about it. No, first of all, he mad because he ain't come to the. <laughs> well, he could, but, I mean, um, it's not your fault. It's his fault. I know. Don't worry about it. Okay. But no, I was telling you. I, I was bitch. telling you. Um, I was. <laughs> I ain't gonna do it. I know. What you, you and him. I know. I know. What you fault? <laughs> you and him. I was like, when he started, we started talking I looked at him like, yeah. When we was down there. I was like, I was like, so this, this your hood? Like this where you, he said, my hood. He said, no, this Harlem. Saying my hood, this Harlem. I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I felt, I, I was embarrassed even saying like, asking him was this his hood. He was like, saying my hood, this Harlem. I was like, okay, my bad. <laughs> ever since, ever since 9-11, if you, if you noticed it, White people are moving into our neighborhood mm-hmm. because they're undervalued. They're moving mm-hmm. into our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. It's funny like, you mention it. Because when we was in New York, I, I saw it like, and even when we took that long behind walk, <laughs> when we was walking for like three days, it felt like it was majority of black people. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking like, this is not even like, it's yeah, the, it's this is the time yeah. yeah. So but I when remember we walked, being in I don't, I mean, before. and that part is still, like, we walked past Rockefeller Center, we did all that. But we, we walked to the NBA store that day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know how we did that. I was skinny then. I can't. I mean, it that wasn't. Was, that, it's that, that not that that hard. You're small. That was Brian, bro. He was huffing. He always say something that makes it. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. He was huffing and puffing. But I've been in New York with y'all. I've been in New York before 9/11. It's a huge difference. No, but that, but all, but the whole the whole cycle of gentrification. I do have one story on racism. I, when uh, I, I I was living upstate. I'm at the Bloomsburg University. Um, and I was turning wrenches uh, they, at the time. They denied me. They told me no. Oh, yeah, things, they no love. Um, you, did you tell them about Aunt Gail? No, I didn't. That's what you gotta do. Um, <laughs> my rap sheet was a little long. Ain't oh, about, ain't that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was I was working for a, a trucking company up there while I was in school because mm-hmm. um, you know I know they turn wrenches. And uh, I'm coming out of work one day. Somebody hung a noose on my locker. Wow. I was like, and this, this to me this is like old school. Like they did oh, what? They, they hung a noose on my locker. Oh no. So I'm like, I'm like, ooh, wow. Did people try to say it wasn't a noose? It, it was a garage? No, no, no. They had a meeting in the boss who was from Chicago. He's like, yeah, we're not doing that here. We find out who did it. Like, they never find out who did it. They just they just kind of was like, no, this is bad. Mm-hmm. Don't do this. And that was the end of it. And I saw that. I was like, yeah, I'm up out of here. Started blasting all the rap music. You, it was more niggas. You heard more. You heard nigga more times than the law allows. That's, 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 that's what I was like. Oh, yo, that's what y'all want. Okay, something like that happened when I went to uh, when I went to IUP. Yo, out that area, out that area, bro. I went to Punxy. I went to Punxy. First of all, Punxy. 
is where you got to pull the fucking groundhog out of it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. So it was like, yeah, be careful going out at night. Um, don't go out at night with, with less than a group of five people. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. So when we went to the bar that's right across the street from the campus because we funded the bar. The, too, right? the bar has, um, like they had some banging behind wings. We were like, first of all, couldn't drink. Yo, we went there with the wings. Oh, it's a food story. <laughs> it wasn't there with the food. We went there with the wings. But it was Taylor's food. I'm talking about the separate food and chicken wings. Because I'm telling you about exactly what happened. It wasn't about the food. It's, the food was just a, a part of the story. But anyway, since they told us not to go out with five or less, right? Less than five, ten of us went. We walked in that bar, yo. They jerked a the needle. Jerk the needle off the right of the music. He was like, okay. Uh, so the lady was like, and this is what scared us. She was like, how can I help y'all? I was like, oh, we're just here for wings. So this is how I knew shit was different. She said, okay, only one of y'all can come in here and order at a time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, damn, only one? I mean, we're, we're, kid. Kid. we're literally your, kids. We're 18. Want your funky chicken no we, more. We, don't, we don't want no drinks. We just want to order some food. We heard the wings was good. She's like, one person can order at a time. At that point, I was like, fuck it, bro. I don't want three wings. I walked right across the street back to campus, and some of the other people stayed. But yo, it was crazy because it's like... You walked back by yourself? The campus was literally... So, I'm where the, the bar is. I, I'm just saying, y'all walked up there 10 deep, and you walked back by yourself. But the campus is right next to where your kitchen is. So, it was literally across right. the street. But I, I just didn't... At that point, I didn't care. That bar. Mm-hmm. You said... You talking about IUP, right? Yeah. Well, I went to... So, it's two IUPs. Mm-hmm. It's one that's in Punxi. That's the smaller campus. Mm-hmm. And Not the one, one in Indiana University. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Okay. The one in Punxi... I, I forget why they send you to Punxi. I think it's one... Like, late registration or whatever. Yeah. They send like you that for late registration. But they... um, Like I said, it was a cool campus, but... Punxsutawney, bro. They, mm. they, that's not, they, I mean, their, that's their that's Pennsylvania. Because at literally every corner of the, the goddamn block is a statue of a groundhog in a different costume or whatever. Gus, you know, Gus is more lavish than us. Remember, Gus is the second favorite. But yeah, I mean, in Bloomsburg, if you go on if you go to Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania, you go Main Street, Bloomsburg. There's a Confederate War Memorial. Wow, that's, that's, goes, that's goes, horrible. That, so when you so when people say uh, what do they call it, uh, Pennsylvania, mm. because it's it's Pittsburgh and Philly with Kentucky mm. in the middle. That's yep. what they're talking about. There were a number <laughs> of Confederate soldiers that come from come out of Pennsylvania. They mm-hmm. went and fought for the South in the yep. Civil War because mm-hmm. they was like these niggers gonna take our jobs. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, these niggers are gonna take our jobs. Let me let me make it right. So so they went down and poor coal miners. Went to the South and fought in the Civil War. So it's really deep red oh, yeah. in the middle of the states, man. It's, it's you can, even just, you can see it in the suburbs because, like, when I was 14, we was coming back from a friend's house in Collindale, walking back, white kids driving their car, yelling out the window, throwing eggs, saying, niggers, go back to your homes. Like, really? 14. Yeah. Like, right. th- again, that, our, our, we have a culture of trauma. Like mm-hmm. we like we like we kind of the defining moments in our life are not like uh, moments of achievement. It's, it's almost like the defining moments in our life are moments of trauma. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, when was the first time you got called, you know, a nigger by a white person? Like, what was the most racist thing that ever happened <laughs> to you? Right? Right? Like, like we and it's almost like we can parent trauma, and it is it's, it's mind boggling. And it's like you know when you're when you're a parent, you're trying to. 
you're, you're trying to, on one hand, protect your kids from that, and then at the same time, prepare them for that. Because it's like, you can't really, you can't really escape it. And it's sad. And all you can really do is like you protect them where you can, but you at the same time it's like, look, you know, this is this is what can happen. You gotta be prepared. You gotta be it's hard when you gotta do it yeah. even younger yeah. every year. Yeah, and you gotta have a cop talk. That right? cop talk crazy. Cop talk is crazy. Cop talk is like nothing. every conversation is crazy. Like, yeah. <laughs> like the cop talk, the, cop talk, the sex talk. Yeah. Like and then you the gotta cop, even have the school like, talk. And you gotta yeah. have a cop talk. You gotta have a cop talk a couple times a year. Like and it's like I don't watch the police beatings and shootings and any of that no more. It's just too traumatic for me. Mm-hmm. But I tell my sons, I'm like, look, like you just need to survive the interaction. If the cop got out of pocket, just just remember what he said. If you got, we got to get you from the station. We'll get you from the station. We'll call a lawyer. We'll lawyer up. We'll do whatever we got to do. I just Stay need alive. to know that I can. I Stay need to alive. come and get you. Yeah, I need to come and get you from the police station right. and not the morgue. Not the morgue. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Stay alive. Yeah. That's why the most important thing I can teach any of my students is decision making. Yeah. Like when they have a conflict in my classroom, and because we like soon as they, I work in a school. Like if you raise your voice, they want to suspend you. It's a charter school. <laughs> like, we're African said a charter school, but she tolerates no kind of violence. Yeah. But when they stand up like they about to do something and everybody, everybody calm down, clear the space. Brothers, life is about decision making and I need you to make one. But just understand the consequences of the decision you're yeah, about right. to make. Yeah, you got to understand yeah. that. Because it's, it's crazy. Oh, wow. When you, yeah. like, like, when we get pulled <laughs> over, yeah. you know, from, from yay big. You know, especially men, we are taught, just do what they ask you to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I was taught, when the police pull you over, to de-escalate the situation, your hands are on your steering wheel, and to really make sure when that officer walks up to you, especially a white one, to have him super calm, turn that car off, take that key out the ignition, and put it up on the hood. Because yeah. this way they know. He ain't trying to run nowhere. Oh. And you know how I got taught that? By a white cop. Because, I mean, okay, we know all of them ain't bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he told me, he said, you want to de-escalate the situation? Put your hands on the steering wheel, 10 and 2, whatever you want to call it. Take that key out of the ignition. Put it up on the hood. I feel like time has changed, though. I feel like now. Oh, and, and, and I think, I think that was good. But I feel like now, if so say if... You can't put your hand out the window. If one of us do that and that hand go out, they're going to instantly start shooting. You will I, I mean, but, but you, then you they, a lot of times, if you do it before they get out the car, mm-hmm. then they know, what is he, you know, why are you doing that? Yeah. They're going to see what's up there. They don't know it's not a gun. Yeah. I remember you know? the, um, the first time I got pulled over with a gun, um, T.Y. was in the car with me. I'm driving. I was... I was wrong. I was texting the babysitter to let her know I was on my way. He seen me. He pulled me over. Pulled me over. I had my stuff. I took it out real quick so I ain't had to reach for nothing. As soon as he pulled me over, I turned the car off. I did keep the keys in the ignition. I ain't do that, but I was trying to hurry up, and I had everything ready for him. He said, you know why I pulled you over? I said, yes. So I handed him everything. Um, he looking at everything. He said, where's your firearm? I said, it's in a Senate console. But can you like kind of hide it when you take it out, please? And I like looked over my shoulder, and he was like, "Yeah, sure, buddy." Went back, checked everything, came back. It's like, can you step out the car for me? Absolutely. Open the door. Yo, this is the first. I did very well with not 
with T.Y. not knowing I had a firearm. He was probably like six, seven. He was like six or seven when this happened. The cop came back. I seen him. He looked at, he went in the center console, looked at T.Y., took the gun out and sat right there. I said, yo, you a-hole. Like, <laughs> like what did you do that he for? It like on, he said, he it, on said it on the top of the center console. He opened the center console. He grabbed it. He looked at Tyler, closed the center console, and sat it right there on the center console. But it was like aiming at him towards T.Y. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even have it that way. I had it I had the gun aiming this way. The barrel was facing yeah, uh, mine forward. The same way was he took it and flipped it around. Flipped it around and aimed it at T.Y. I could have went crazy at that moment, but I couldn't because T.Y. is right there. Right. Oh, my God. Like, dog, like, I'm sitting there. And then when he got up, he just was like, he just like, he, he left it there. He didn't check, make sure that the, the, the uh, nothing, nothing. nothing. But my whole thing was like, if he he aimed the, like when I got back in the car, the gun was facing towards T. Y. That's that and, thing. And, 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 That's yeah. that mind thing. It, it is. And the crazy part about it is, we are in the uh, the unenviable position that we have to be the de-escalators. Yeah. Like, like the cops, mm-hmm. like like ideally the cops are supposed to come mm-hmm. in and de-escalate the situation, figure out what's going right. on, figure out if somebody got to get charges pressed and all that stuff, and basically just mediate the situation and get back to peace. That's why they're called peace officers. Uh-huh. But when it comes to us, it's like we have to be the ones to de-escalate. We got to de-escalate yeah. the cop. And it's like de-escalate you, you the yeah. one with the gun. Why? Mm-hmm. Like why? Why am I? The, why am I playing hostage, hostage negotiator with you? And you're and you're the one who's trained to de-escalate, you know. the The worst thing that I hear, you know, especially when with all the shootings, is that you have a police officer who says, "I fear for my life, so I pull the trigger." And I'm like, I'm like, like it's your job. Like, if you fearing for your life, why you even put the gun? Why you even take the gun and badge? Yeah. If you fearing for your life, should never be allowed as an argument. You know, like so. Yeah, that's an argument in court. That's what that is. But it should never be allowed. But But that is. That is a citizen argument. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A citizen argument is I fear for my life, so I, I pull I pull my steel and I lay him down. That's not a cop argument. A cop argument is a cop argument is a person a person based on their actions was determined to be um a, a threat and I had to neutralize them because they were they were threatening they were threatening the peace and safety of whatever. Uh-huh. That's a police argument. Not I fear for my life, so mm-hmm. I pulled out. I pulled out my gun and shot him in the back nine times. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's a different kind of argument. Like the, the like you you see it more and more where there's just bad training and policing in general. But in our community, back to the very first thing, talking about niggas, because they have de- dehumanized black people. They mm-hmm. feel as though they have the license to treat us however they mm-hmm. feel they want to. Mm-hmm. Right. So we live in this constant police state where we're trying to negotiate <laughs> and de-escalate people who are trained. To be the 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 escalators and negotiators, uh-huh. and it's the same story because like when they initially invaded Africa, the stories they sent back were, "Oh, you have to see these savages, yeah, savages, these yeah. beasts. They're animal like." Mm-hmm. That's the story because that that had to see when they take this slavery thing back to the populace. Yeah. The populace now has a level of comfort because now, oh, good, we're gonna we're gonna educate them. We're gonna bring them. They they wouldn't have survived in that. That savage place yeah. they were in, we're saving them from that. Yeah, never mind the fact that we and, gave them and civilization. these cops that mm-hmm. like that. Well, now they're mandating that you live in Philly, but as they're driving around, that's what they're thinking as they're driving around. 
these poor little savages. Look at these mm-hmm. animals. Yeah, look at the yeah. What are we gonna do to save them? Yeah, I mean, I'm or they 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 move into or they police as though they are an occupying army. Right. Mm-hmm. That's why they want them back in the city because you need to live in the city and understand that you are vested here. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but just to you know, just to circle back, it's 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 that whole dehumanizing element. The fact that they dehumanize us feels as though they can treat us however they want to. Never mind the fact that they obfuscate our history. Never mind the fact that they obfuscate the numbers, the skew things that make it easier for them to continue to brutalize or continue to write, create policy that um, disadvantages us. You know, I, I tell people all the time that the system isn't broken. The system is working as designed. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. The, system is built, yeah. the system is built to do what it's doing. Mm-hmm. We just don't like it because it's not to our advantage. And so we got to find ways around. Because right, I, I don't think it's... Uh a misapplication of their training. I think they have their formal training and then there's their training training. Yeah, they're on the job training. veterans training. Mm-hmm. That OJT. Yeah. Right. Alright, so we have another question here. Um, With a lot of the stuff that's going on in Philadelphia lately, um, with the amount of black women who are getting shot up and stuff like that um, over domestic, domestic violence uh, and children. And children. Um, do you have a question? What was the mentality of protecting black women in the past? Tune in next week for part two of A Culture of Trauma.